0: now here's a highlight from coast to coast am on iheart radio and welcome back to coast to coast george nori with you along with rosemary ellen guiley we are joined now with paul tate paul has been reading observing and researching many aspects of the paranormal world since his early childhood fascination of the unknown began as far back as 1976 and it stemmed from a very strange and frightening experience he had as a little boy. We'll have him explain it while he was living in England. Paul, welcome to the program.
1: Hi, George. How you doing? I'm
0: looking fine and uh, doing well, and uh, everybody in England is all excited about this upcoming wedding in a few hours.
1: They sh- they sure are. I've been watching the TV uh, news reports, and they, they, they seem to be camping out. They can't wait. I remember when Diana got married, how how crazy it was back then.
0: Oh, my gosh, absolutely. Paul, you put together the uh, documentary called Supernatural Assault. Give us a little highlight on just exactly what it is.
1: Yeah, the film actually, it was born out by sheer accident. We were making a documentary back in 2008 on sleep paralysis, and during the documentary, Film interview process a lot of the people that we interviewed were describing these strange shadowy forms and entities appearing in their bedrooms during the sleep paralysis episode and these people never knew each other so we started collating these um, interviews together and you know we put them aside because the documentary wasn't on on shadow people but the the documentary supernatural assault came from uh, a lot of the Interviews from your worst nightmare, and it looks into the um, the experiences that people have been reporting these strange, you know, contacts with these non-material entities and the, the frightening presences that they they witness in their bedrooms and elsewhere. And um, so we, the documentary, basically looks at that as a whole shadow people, and then we go into the the connection with the gin. And, you know describe all of that but we're just looking at these um, experiences these real-life experiences that people have throughout the documentary and try to make some sense of that
0: Paul did these cases begin to uh, surprise you as people begin to talk about them
1: they sure did I mean I've had my own experiences but the, the some of the stories that we were being told were pretty compelling and, and pretty terrifying and Some of them the first one that the show opens up with, and yeah, that that surprised me because that, you know, beggars belief. You 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 hear the story and you can't believe it, but the the testimony that you know we recorded was was compelling and you, you can't discount what was being said by the you know, the person who actually had that experience.
0: Paul, you dedicate your film to a woman from Maine who was part of the film, Dawn Howley. She died before the film really was finished. But she was under assault, wasn't she?
1: Yes, she actually was an interesting case. I mean we were interviewing Dawn and she became very upset and you'll see on the on the film she was crying and you know it, it became very you know stressful for her. So after we we shot the interview, I asked her I said what you know what's going on? why are you so upset? I mean I've seen these things myself. And she said that you know they had physically assaulted her, which she explained her story on the film. But then she turned around and said that she believed that they were going to do more harm to her and potentially even kill her. That's what they, that's what she actually said to us. So I, I actually said to her, "Don't say that. You you, you don't want to start putting that out there and believing that." So it was about you know a short while after that, maybe almost a year after. We um, shot her interview. We got a phone call to say that she was found dead in her apartment. Uh, Yeah, she was found dead in her apartment. And she actually, if you look at the dates she died the day before her birthday. But from what I could gather, she was actually discovered on her birthday.
0: Paul, did you suspect that one of these entities might have done something to her?
1: Well... It's hard to say, but it didn't, you know, I, I won't say it didn't cross my mind. I thought about it, and, you know, I, I would hate to think that that happened, but you can't rule out anything, I suppose. I mean, she she was adamant this sort of thing might happen, and then she, you know, she goes and dies in, in strange circumstances, which we, again, that's another thing. We, we couldn't find out why she had died. It wasn't a clear-cut case. But the last that my wife heard when she made the inquiry was it was natural causes and she was only in her early 50s so it it doesn't make sense but you know you can't rule you can't rule anything out
0: while you were making the documentary did uh, anything weird happen on some of the scenes or sets that you were at
1: well during the making of the film i mean a lot of weird stuff has, has been happening around me and my studio and stuff you know we we've, we've had so much technical problems like just stuff that just doesn't always happen um glitches files being erased, I've had a hard drive actually, I had a full copy of the Master and all of the files with it, and luckily I had backed it up to a second drive, but the original Master drive got fried, and it's, it, I would have lost the whole film, so it's, it's been crazy, and then you're sitting there editing at night, and you you, you you may put it down to tired eyes, but I'm sitting there staring at the screen, and all of a sudden I see black flashes go past my French doors, and I quickly turn and look, and there's nothing there. And it's almost like you catch it out of the corner of your eye, but you never quite see, you know, a form or anything. It's just a black splash. So I, I've seen that quite a lot.
0: Paul, what have you concluded, what have you learned from the documentary yourself?
1: Well, what I've learned from the documentary process is that, you know, a lot of people are having these experiences. They seem to be um, normal, everyday people. And they're not crazy, and you know what what I, the other thing I've learned is that you know in the Eastern cultures they're able to talk openly about this this sort of thing without being ridiculed so it's interesting to you know to to see the different aspects coming from the different people in the in the East versus the west and then this has history if you look back throughout the ages, you can see traces of these types of attacks and these types of you know encounters throughout history; they've been depicted in famous artwork, mm-hmm. like the the Henry Fuseli's um, painting "The Nightmare." You, you you get these nocturnal entities um, visiting people. It seems to be a current theme, but in the West, they seem to have kind of buried this, and they don't like to talk about it.
0: Rosemary, let's bring you in here too, as well. And uh, in terms of this documentary that uh, that has been put together now. How chilling do you think it is?
2: Uh, Well, I I think that um, in Supernatural Assault, Paul really captured the essence of uh, these attacks and these beings, and uh, I think it's also important to link them to the djinn, because I do believe that shadow people are a shapeshifted form taken by uh, these entities. They're master shapeshifters. This is uh, a very common phenomenon uh, that's real. It's not imagined, and people do need to be aware of it. Uh, and uh, you know what Paul was talking about about you know the weird things start to happen when you start looking into the gin. The same thing has happened to me over the years. That mm-hmm. um, when when you start researching them and you start trying to find out about them and reveal them to other people. There's a pushback from them. Um, You feel watched. uh, They mess around with you. You might have accidents. I've also had files get strangely corrupted, and only files pertaining to them, not anything else I'm working on. Um, Miscommunications, um, phone messages that drop into black holes, um, mishaps, bad luck. Uh, They don't want people knowing about them. Um, and I think that they are a um, a widespread supernatural force that interacts with people on a regular basis in a very negative way.
0: Tell us, Paul, if you would, the experience that uh, you encountered when you were a young boy.
1: Yeah, well, I was five years old, and we had moved into a new apartment in London, in West London, and um, I would go to sleep at night, and I had my own room, which was at the end of the apartment uh, building. And I would wake up, and standing over my bed would be this tall, dark, shadowy figure. And it would be standing there, just staring down at me while I was sleeping, or sorry, while I had been asleep. But mm-hmm. it was standing with its hands in the in the prayer position, almost down over its sort of abdomen area. The hands were joined, and it was just staring. It wouldn't say anything to me. So I would I would be screaming to my parents you know, to come and get me. And my mom would always be the one to come in and get me. And I would tell her all about what I'd seen. So this kept on happening night after night after night. Eventually, I ended up just staying in my parents' room. I, I wouldn't sleep in that room. And um, a year after that started, we left that apartment. And the interesting part of this story, George, is that um, a cousin of mine moved in to the apartment, the same apartment, and he he well he moved in with his parents and he was around my age and he had my room and he stayed in that room. Now I reconnected with that cousin. His name was Leon. I reconnected with him about six months ago on Facebook, and we got talking. And I said, "Hey, I, I've made this film, and I started asking him, you know, about things." And then I said to him, Leon, I said, "When you had my old room in that in the flats in Becklow Gardens, I said." Did you see anything strange in your room? And he just went, "Why are you saying that?" And he got all sort of hyped up and exasperated about He's it, and he
0: very defensive yeah. too. Huh?
1: Yeah. And I said to him, what, "What? What? I said, What did you see? You know?" And I was kind of like, "What has happened? What have I done?" And he says, "I never spoke to anybody about this, but he said, I used to see this tall figure with a hat in my room at night when I was when I was sleeping." And I said to him, you're joking. And then we just started talking about this for ages, you know. But it was amazing that he had never mentioned that to me before. And we only just reconnected. And he tells me this, that he saw what he saw. And I never even preempted him. I never told him what I had saw, you know, seen. He just came right out with that.
0: Yet most people, Paul, are pretty reluctant to talk about these experiences, aren't they?
1: They are, and it's a shame, really, because, you know, one in five people worldwide will experience sleep paralysis at some point in their life, and then 80% of those who experience sleep paralysis will go on to have these strange, otherworldly encounters that, you know, we're discussing now, and a lot of people are having this experience. It's a real human experience, and what's happened is a lot of people just refuse point blank to talk about it. And it's the fear of being labelled crazy. It's the fear Mm -hmm. of being laughed at, of being ridiculed. You can't actually go to your doctor and say, hey, I'm seeing these shadow forms in my room at night, you know, and without the fear of something happening to you, going on your record, you know. So that's why people in the West are so reluctant to this day to speak about these things.